Time for another Oklahoma State Tulsa World uh, podcast, vidcast, however you want to consume it. We, we're going to give it to you. Garen Emig, Tulsa World Sports columnist, along with OSU beat writer Eli Letterman. Thank you very much for watching if you're on TulsaWorld.com and for listening if you are downloading uh, and subscribing to our audio version, which you can do thanks to our good friends at uh, Google, Spotify, and Apple. All right, Eli, another week of, uh, even though it's now February, another week of football news since we had a second signing day just yesterday or Wednesday. Not a lot of names to add to Mike Gundy's class of 2022, but I suppose it's, it's worth visiting, isn't it? It absolutely is. It was a snow day edition of signing day, which I'm sure over the years, especially when the February national signing day was kind of the be all end all, there have to be some incredible stories of snow and weather playing a role in signing days, right? I mean, way back? I think so. I don't remember ever strapping on, you know, you know, calling on the the dogs and, you know, snow, snow sledding over to, to, to Norman to cover one of Bob Stoops. But yes, there have been a few interesting stories, fax machine stories as well. What's a fax machine? <laughs> that was my softball that you just smashed over <laughs> the center field fence, of course. Well, I think most <laughs> yesterday put it out on Twitter for the Cowboys and on social media because uh, we're in the modern age. And, and as, as we're in the modern age, that's why this second National Signing Day has kind of become an afterthought because uh, as the Cowboys are a good case this year, they signed 17 guys to their class in, in December. And so we knew yesterday with them was going to be quiet. They announced uh, three additional signings. So the class rounds out at, at 20 members. Um, and really, the, we knew Davis Dotson, who's a Tulsa guy, Barry Hill. Um, he committed on Monday. and We had a story about him on the world headed into signing day. His signing became official. But the two, I guess, one question mark, one surprise yesterday. Uh, there was Stefan Johnson, who's a, a three-star wide receiver from DeSoto High School in Texas. Uh, former Oregon commit who decommitted last month after Mario Cristobal left. And he had visited OSU. He visited SMU uh, over the last month and yesterday committed to the Cowboys, and that gives them another kind of playmaking, speedy receiver to go with Talon Shetron, Braylon Presley, and, and Mason Gilkey from Pahuska. Um, in this class that, that kind of almost appears like it could be as robust as the last freshman uh, wide receiver class for the Cowboys. In general, the finished product, if we can call, I'm not even sure we should call a recruiting class finished product because the transfer portal is hardly closed, right? I mean, that... That's what makes this so different. It's not just the two different signing days traditionally where coaches roll out their high school uh, signees, but with the portal, it, it's it's always recruiting season, right? Basically. Yeah, yeah and, and there could be more transfers that come in. And I neglected to mention Saleti Feveliki. He's got a great name. He's coming from Snow College. He was the surprise yesterday, or maybe the one that we didn't know was coming, a junior college uh, transfer. He's coming from the same school that brought the Cowboys Jalen Warren and to maybe lesser acclaimed Sione Asi and Nathan Latu are also on the roster. So that's kind of a familiar pipeline, but he comes in and we'll see just what he can be. Maybe he'll be the, uh, the Jalen War Warren of the defense next year, but a defensive tackle who sounds like he's ready to play comes in and fits an immediate need after Israel Antoine headed to the NFL draft. And so those were kind of the two bigger highlights yesterday. And as you said, we can sit here and talk about how the, the 2022 class is complete. I don't think until we roll into, what, August, we can really say that right. the incoming class is, is done and dusted. So 
we'll see. There's, there's obviously, as, as we've spoken about in recent weeks, you know, they, they haven't done anything necessarily to improve the secondary. Um, they, Davis Dotson comes in and, and helps that depth on the offensive line, but he's at, even at six foot six, 290 pounds, he's 18 years old. He's going to need to develop. So you've got that kind of starting level depth that you need to, to work on still. Uh, so still question marks and maybe still some opportunities for the Cowboys in the portal. You mentioned filling holes in the secondary. I see a, a fairly gaping one, at, at, not at, at starting quarterback, with obviously with what Spencer Sp Sanders just did in the yeah. festival, and everyone knows where he stands with Gundy and uh, and the and Casey Dunsimerte in the offense. But don't if, if 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 we're not done with OSU recruiting and they're not done with the portal. Don't you think that uh, the portal squeezes out a quarterback who lands in Stillwater between now and, and even spring ball? You'd have to think so. I mean, yesterday in the signing day swirl, Shane Ellingworth officially announced his commitment to Nevada. So he's off somewhere. I think they've got something like five or six quarterbacks uh, at Nevada. So he's, I think, stepping into something of a quarterback competition. Uh, yeah, the holes are, shoot, I, I, my mind jumped to the secondary and the offensive line, but right behind Spencer Sanders here, you're one snap away from right now throwing Gunnar Gundy in there or, or Garrett Rangel, who's, who just got on campus as a freshman and, and is another guy that Mike Gundy said needs to develop physically before he's going to have any shot at getting on the field. So quarterback, I, I think, is another place to look because there, there seems to always be at least some veteran presences in the portal, whether mm -hmm. or not they're going to – they could match the talent level that Spencer Sanders or even Shane Ellingworth could bring to the field. I'd have to imagine they're going to have to come back with something a little more sturdy than, than just a second-year quarterback in Gunnar Gundy and a freshman uh, in Garrett Rangel. Right. Uh, Sanders accomplished, and I'm not saying he's fragile. That's too strong a word, but he, he's, he's got knocked around a bit. He's not one to slide. He's one to take a hit to go down. We know that about him. Uh, always he wants to continue to use his mobility, his elusiveness, his athleticism, whatever you want to call it. And if that, assuming that's the case, yes, they are going to need to feel pretty good about what's behind him and not just in terms of ability, but seasoning. Illingworth at least offered uh, plenty of, of both in that regard. Now he's, he's at Nevada. Um, other football news this week, reports surfacing that the reset is official on the, on the defensive uh, staff. Eli, with uh, Derek Mason coming in as coordinator, you've written extensively about him. What we were waiting to find out was what would, what would that look like especially at the linebacker position, since that was what Jim Knowles coached before he took off for Ohio State. So where are we here? Yeah, that was that was the question mark, because Derek Mason comes in with most of his experience in the secondary. And that's where you've got two of OSU's most experienced uh, assistants in Tim Duffy and, and Dan Hammerschmidt uh, and, and a gaping hole linebacker, which is not a position that, that Derek Mason had coached in the past. So what the Cowboys did and got creative, I guess, is Joe Bob Clements is going to move from the defensive line over to linebackers and former Cowboy Greg Richmond, who's, who's been coaching alongside Joe Bob Clements for the last few years. He'll be that sole defensive line coach. And, and I guess that effectively means that Derek Mason is going to be positionless and will just oversee this defense. But um, I, I think we've spoken to as, as much, we, we talked about the continuity potentially of, of promoting from within and, and keeping the existing staff of assistants happy. Um, and then the risk, being taken by Mike Gundy maybe in, in promoting from the outside or hiring from the outside, what might that mean? And, and it seems like this has settled well where, where Joe Bob Clements, you know, who spoke to us before the Fiesta Bowl about his career aspirations and what he wants to do, um, he seems to be sticking around for, for a new challenge uh, with, with the linebackers and you hold on to Greg Richmond as well. So it seems like a 
as, as good an outcome as Mike Gundy could have wanted. Now we'll just see kind of how it all works out, what these linebackers say about working with Joe Bob Clemens and, and so on from there. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. And I say that I, I just posted a mailbag uh, with answers to questions or comments to reader comments. Uh, a lot of them related to, uh, to both OU and OSU as always. And one of the OSU queries was about Gundy's decision to go outside the program and the culture is, is his word for it, to, to bring in a guy like Mason. I, I don't argue against bringing uh, someone with Mason's credentials and, and recent past in particular to Stillwater. That obviously is, is a pretty big looking deal, but you do bring up a good point about continuity, uh, the fit. Uh, it worked out fine when he went outside. Again, the, the system Gundy did and brought in Jim Knowles. Uh, that, it took a little bit, but it, it eventually worked out. There's no reason to think this won't work out either, but I think it is worth considering how the rest of the staff, Gundy's so-called lieutenants, feel about this. And uh, I, we won't know for sure how anyone feels about any of this until we get a chance to talk to any of these guys. But for the time being, all we can operate under is, is the, the picture of the staff and the fact that there's a clarification now as to responsibilities. That bodes well, as well as anything can, I think, at this point. Certainly. I think, I mean, it's, it's indicated in, in that flexibility from Joe Bob Clements. It, it, I don't know that anyone would have blamed him for whether it was pride or anything else to, to saying, I'm not moving to a new position group just because you brought in some guy when you passed me over, uh, you know, for the DC job. I'm sure Joe Bob Clements feels that like he's plenty qualified to have taken over as the full-time DC, but the fact that he's sticking around on staff, making that move to a new position into a new challenge, I think, as you said, you know, we can only know so much, but speaks to at least where, where the staff is for now. And, and that's pretty big because there's probably another world here where, where Mike Gundy passes over his longtime assistants to bring in some new face from the outside. And you've got some mass exodus of assistants. And, and right. I'm sure Derek Mason would have no problem filling out a staff all the, the time he spent in college football. But then, boom, there goes your continuity. And I think this is maybe the perfect marriage of uh, you've got that culture is still intact, but you get to bring in a new mind. It's somebody who can maybe, the way Jim Knowles did, kind of from the outside, revolutionize this defense and you get that perfect mix. I want to get to basketball a little earlier than we usually do, not so much because of the two games that Oklahoma State played since we last spoke, both both losses. Uh, you didn't see the one in person. They were on the road, the one at Auburn, uh, not uh, Auburn, it was Oklahoma, the one at uh, Florida the Cowboys late get away. And then the one um, last night in, in Manhattan that the case hit one on a Nigel Pack uh, shot toward at the near, the near the buzzer. I want to instead focus on a press conference that Mike Boynton had earlier this week, which was, if nothing else, Boynton is revealing. He lets you know yeah. a lot of times what he's thinking about a lot of different things, including his own players. And boy, did he let us know what he, what he was thinking uh, at the beginning of this week, coming off that that loss in Gainesville to the Gators, yeah. So I mean, and, and you have to imagine that if it, if it's if what Mike Boynton is telling us as the gathered media Monday morning at nine a.m., if it's what he's telling us there, his players who showed up for a six a.m. practice must have heard that tenfold, uh, and probably a little harsher with with some more harsher language, uh, because he he showed up after that Florida loss where Oklahoma State dominated the first half and looked as good as it has in 2022 and looked like maybe the team we envisioned them having showed up in the second half and just put up a clunker. Uh, I mean, 12 turnovers, 19 personal fouls, one assist. And that was the one that really bothered Mike Boynton when he kind of harped on selfish play. But he came in and, and just kind of 
at laid into this group that that as he sees it has still not gotten over or, or really stopped letting the, the postseason ban the, the sanctions that got upheld right before the start of the season hasn't let that go and and who could blame him he acknowledged that as well you know he understands that that was always going to hang over this team but right. I think he's, his patience level for for the way it seeped into the into the season and impacted individual players and, and sort of their approach and, and just the team on the whole as they're now after last night four and ten since December 1st. That's a harsh record. I mean, that, that he, he speaks to tailspins, not maybe too strong a word, although if, if they come up short in Bedlam Saturday, it'll probably yeah. be worse. You don't want to come up short in that game, no matter what the season, how the season's going. Um, I, we, I mean, this has almost been a psychoanalysis, hasn't it? So when, we've, when we yeah. brought up Cowboy basketball this season, it's not so much about the numbers. It's about, you know, the, the, in, this, just the streakiness and the inconsistencies and, you know, what's going on in these guys' heads and why haven't – what's so clearly to everyone watching this team, why hasn't the reality met the potential? And that usually, well, almost universally falls on the head coach – and yeah. somewhere, and somewhere during his his commentary, uh, Eli earlier this week, Boynton did, I believe, fall on the sword, saying yeah. that it's my job to get. You know, I, I realize that ultimately this is my job. Yes, and that's that shouldn't be lost. I mean, he didn't just sit there and for twenty minutes rail against his players and right. say, you know, what am I supposed to do here? He said, it's you know, asked you know, it's my job to fix it. It's to convey this message, but. He said, you know, maybe part of that job is having some harsh conversations with guys and saying, you know, if, if being here and winning is not priority number one and you're, you know, he, he talked about guys who are focused maybe more on what NBA scouts are thinking or how to improve their stock, that maybe this isn't the place for them. And that's not something we've heard much from Mike Boynton. I mean, really in the past, he's been lauded and he'll even brag himself rightly for, for keeping guys in the program. They don't have, in, in the era of the transfer portal, most off seasons, you're not seeing five, six guys leave the program, five, six guys come in. He's done a good job of making that part of the program. But, you know, he, he said he wasn't sure that everyone was going to make it even to K-State, that if they weren't there to, to, yeah. the to help them win, they might not even make the trip. So so it was definitely maybe, a, I've heard the term last ditch. I don't know about that, with 10 games to go. But it was uh, as as much as the players have maybe acknowledged the NCAA ban and or the postseason ban and its impact, that was certainly the most we've heard it from Mike Boynton. Uh, in in not only the way he's seen it seep into this team, but in how much it's bothered him as well. Not to put you on the spot, but did did everyone make the trip based on that statement last night? Was everyone in Manhattan? It seemed that way. I mean, we could only, that's the problem when you're sitting at home at right, the desk right. and trying to watch. But there were no notice, noticeable absences, um, at least in that regard. Bryce Williams was there, didn't dress fourth straight game uh, with an ankle injury, but. It appeared everyone made it. So either the message got sent or the plane tickets had already been bought and there was no uh, getting out of the travel. And again, I, we, we tease this, but next is Bedlam in Stillwater on Saturday morning. This is a big deal no matter what the situation. This is uh, ginormous, to borrow uh, Will Farrell's word from Elf, a uh, ginormous two hours of basketball. Yes. And something tells me for this team and really the team's head coach. I think so. I think this, you would have looked at Kansas State last night and they had a good performance. I mean, they, it wasn't, you know, they ran into Nigel Pack and and he just, he didn't miss for any of the first half and didn't miss down the stretch. Felt maybe similar to the Iowa State loss that was, you know, close, but they just didn't have it late. And, and that's a critique of this team. But 
that felt like a big one after what Mike Boyne had to say uh, on Monday. This one on Saturday feels big because of just where this team is at. And they've lost four straight games in the Big 12 for the first time in, in two years. And you come home and you've got what, what your coach said about you Monday. You've got your rivals coming in. Uh, another element Saturday is they're going to be uh, observing the 21st anniversary of the 2001 plane crash. So there's going to be plenty I mean, to, to say at state yeah. that last part that, that's a, its own separate thing but there's plenty going on that should be energizing this team at a really crucial moment because I think this month starts out poorly you know we don't know what the rest of it in that first week of March is, is really going to look like with them and so if they can't find something for for OU at home uh, with everything surrounding this one then you'd really have some real concerns about where this group is at. This feels like a bizarre question to ask on a day where there are several inches of snow outside our, our windows, but you're going to talk to uh, the baseball and softball coaches? Is that, do I understand this correctly? Tomorrow. Supposed to be today. Tomorrow we'll be yeah. talking. And we've got baseball media and softball media, and yeah, it is funny to be kicking off those seasons with snow <laughs> on the ground. I'm curious to know what they've been doing the last few days. They're probably making good use of the indoor facilities up here in, in Stillwater, because I'm sure they're not. Uh, it may not be snow days for, for the the athletes. Uh, but yeah, we're getting right around the corner next week. You'll have softball kick off and, uh, and then baseball right after it. A lot of hype already about Kenny Gajewski's softball team being ranked uh, on the heels of Oklahoma and a lot of uh, national top fives, top twos in at least one preseason poll. I think uh, social media is, it's kind of hard to decipher truth from reality. We all know this when it comes to social media, but I believe I spotted a tweet this week that had OSU's baseball team as a uh, as an odds-on to at least make it to the College World Series. I know they were ranked in the top, at least one top ten. Yeah, no, they, the baseball rankings is you, I mean, is you, all these diamond sport rankings, ten of them come out, and so you right. get the OSU anywhere from two to twenty-five. But uh, I, I think I saw the same thing that the Cowboys uh, baseball team is is right up there with Texas in terms of College World Series odds. And so as we've kind of been hyping up the last few weeks, and I think that that train will only get rolling more tomorrow once we get around the players and the coaches from both both programs. Uh, there's a lot to be excited about on the diamond this year, even as it's hard to picture right now. Around <laughs> I'll probably walk outside and find out it's ice. All right. So you've got work to do in terms of how to get to these media days tomorrow and then how to get to Bedlam Saturday. I, I mentioned uh, sled dogs earlier. I suppose you, you've got that. Yeah, but you, you, you're a New Yorker. It's not like this is your first rodeo with this kind of thing. That's that's not a good that's not a good analogy, is it? First, what do we call this? I, I don't know. It's it's this is out of the ordinary for us, us Okies. Yeah. But um, is it is it going to be mush or is it going to be a hailing an Uber? Or are you uh, putting chains on your tires or have you, have you thought about how you're doing your work the next 48 to 72 hours? I think it's just going to be getting behind the wheel and crossing the fingers. I mean, this. You're not driving with New Yorkers anymore. You know that, right? Well, that's the problem. So I'm going to have to be, <laughs> uh, be a little more cautious probably. Because this is nothing, not anything new for me. But um, we'll see what the ice conditions are around there. I think I think I've probably – people probably know who the New Yorker driver around Stillwater is just based on, uh, on maybe what I look like driving. <laughs> here's what I would do for as we leave. Here's what I would do. This, and, I, and this actually is – now that it just popped into my head and it was – Comical for a second, but now I think it could, you should actually make it happen. Why don't you call Gundy and have him pick you up in his John Deere? Perfect. He, he has to own a few of them, right? Out in his acre. Loan me one. Just loan me one for a few days. 
you know, problem. I can get out to the ranch. And I, there we go. Imagine that rolling up to a basketball game and in one of these availabilities just on the John Deere. I, you don't have to go to his ranch. I think he comes to you based on the, uh, the stellar work you did promoting his football team last season. I think he owes you that much. That's what That's I always say. Gundy's got to come to me. I'm not going, going to him hat in hand. He's, he's got to come to me. No coach goes to Eli Letterman. Or no, no, no coaches go to Eli Letterman. No, Eli does not go to any. That's what I'm trying to say. So, should have quit while I was ahead. But yeah, you're, you're close. Almost had the dismount. All right. That's a sign that it's time to go. Uh, seriously, thanks very much for tuning in, however you do it, whether it's on TulsaWorld.com visually or if you do catch the, uh, the podcast version of uh, our OSU weekly update via Spotify, Apple, and, uh, and Google. We thank you for that. Keep up the good work, Eli. Stay warm and safe, and we will uh, talk to everyone next week. For more information, you can visit TulsaWorld.com.